Welcome to the Clovercrest Baptist Church podcast. For more information about Clovercrest Baptist Church, go to clovercrest.com.au. So you've heard me say it before and I'll say it again that we've been created for community. We haven't been created to do life alone. Uh, Individualism is something that's crept into our society in more recent times, but we've been created by God to do life together. Our second value is creating community and doing life together is really important. That's important for us as people, but it's also important for us when we consider what does it mean to be on mission uh, what does it mean to, uh, to live into the mission of God and into the relationships that he has from us from that perspective? So we're going to be putting a spotlight on partnership. We're going to be putting a spotlight on uh, what does it mean for us as an organization here at Clovey and a church family to uh, be involved in partnerships together. And Sean spoke about the river and he spoke about uh, the different elements and the different ways that the, the, the river that we introduced last year uh, twists and turns. We enter, we know, we experience and we go. And we have some key partnerships and we've made some choices at Clovey to go deep with a few. So when we think about aid, we, we look at Baptist World Aid and Kapil Vastu and our people that we're um, building relationships with in Nepal. The same with child sponsorship, with justice uh, IJM. Next week, we've got uh, a guy called Mitch Hammond who's going to be speaking to us from IJM and we'll be launching the Ping Pongathon. That's been something that's become part of our rhythm around how we can actually uh, fight back and push back against modern day slavery. Church planning, we have an organization in India that we support and we have a number of sent missionaries around the place. And partnership is really important to us. And this is a focus for us here at Clovey. And the reason why is, is because what we see in the New Testament is what we see in the text. When we look at the New Testament, we see Paul particularly as someone who builds partnerships with areas and regions and churches. Paul constantly was looking for partners in ministry, groups of people to do life and ministry with, to share the joys of life and ministry, but also the burdens of what it means to participate in God's mission. And one example of this partnership that I want us to look at today, and really uh, for us, this is a biblical framework of what it means to participate with God in his mission on partner- in partnerships with other uh, organizations. We see this in Paul's relationship with the church in Philippi. It's a really great example for us uh, around how partnerships are built and how partnerships are developed. And this is our biblical framework for why this is important to us. So Paul planted the church in Philippi uh, on his second missionary journey. In Acts 16, verse 12, uh, Luke, who wrote Acts, he says this. He says, We traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony, and the leading city in that district of Macedonia. And we stayed there for several days. So if you look at Acts 16, Paul's on his second missionary journey, and he moves into Macedonia, goes to Philippi, and then you see the conversion and the baptism of Lydia and also uh, the jailer and his family. Uh, You see this in the text. And this was the beginning of the church in Philippi, and we're around 48, 49 AD at this point. We don't know how long several days actually was. And when I was looking up around this, we don't know exactly the time frame. But what we do know is it was enough time to build deep, life-giving, reciprocal relationships. 
He built these two-way relationships with people uh, in Philippi. The church was planted. And these relationships would endure across the life of um, his ministry and indeed his, his life as well. So if we, then we fast forward 10 to 15 years. Um, it's around 62 AD. Paul's under house rest in Rome. And he receives a gift from this church, the church in Philippi. And he essentially writes them a thank you letter. So if you've ever read Philippians in the New Testament and you've wondered about it, it's a thank you letter. It's a thank you letter for the gift that he received while he was under house arrest. And he writes to them thanking them, but then he also writes to them just kind of helping them uh, sort out uh, a little bit of what was happening in the church at the time. Have you ever wondered, like just on a side note, have you ever wondered when you read the New Testament around some of Paul's letters? Uh, you know, he's essentially just sorting out the problems in the New Testament church, isn't he? <laughs> So if you're ever having a bad day, you're wondering things aren't going so well at Clovey, you know, maybe just read 1 Corinthians, you know, maybe just sit in it for some time and go, oh, actually, things are going okay. We're not perfect, but we're not sorting out some of the issues that they're working through at their time as well. So anyway, um, Paul uh, writes this thank you letter and he starts off uh, by sharing in Philippians 1 uh, a little bit more about what this uh, partnership meant. Uh, to him. And he says this. So if you've got your Bibles, we're going to sit in Philippians so you can open up to Philippians or you can get it up on your phone now. But Philippians 1 uh, verses 3 to 11 says this. This is Paul. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all of my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on until completion, until the day of Christ Jesus. Verse 7 says, It is right for me to feel this way about you, since I have, have you in my heart. And whether I am in chains or defending or confirming the gospel, all of you sharing God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you'll be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. Uh, Paul's under house arrest. He's in chains, literally. And he's pouring out this thankfulness of this deep, reciprocal, two-way, life-giving relationship and partnership in the gospel. In verse 3, Paul thanks God for the Philippian church. He prays with joy because of the partnership that they have in the gospel. And the Greek word here for partnership is koinonia, koinonia. And it means having in common. Uh, some uh, people look at it as fellowship and sharing, uh, but really the scholars uh, in this particular use that Paul uses this word, it's much more than that. It's deeper uh, than that. He, the way that he's describing this uh, life-giving relationship that they've had for over a decade. And Paul and the Philippians were in a two-way partnership. Later in Philippians 4 verse 15, Paul states this, he says, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. Except you only. 
See, Paul was grateful for this relationship that he had with the church in Philippi, but it wasn't a one-way street. He just wasn't about him pouring out into that place or them simply giving to him. No, it was this exchange. It was this two-way relationship and partnership. And in chapter 1 here, verses 3 to 8, the partnership of the gospel was a partnership of thankfulness in verse 3, a joy in verse 4. They partnered in the gospel, verse 5, and they're partners in God's grace in verse 7. And then in verse 8, Paul says, how he longs for them. How he longs for them. Uh, Theologian uh, Frank Thulman, he puts it this way. He says, Paul thanks God for the Philippians' partnership in the gospel, not only because of the practical assistance it provided for the advancement of the gospel, but also because it stands as a confirmation that God was at work in the lives of the Philippians. I love that this partnership is two-way. That yes, they were able to support Paul in his ministry and they were able to support Paul in the advancement of the gospel as he went out on different missionary journeys. But then it also showed that God was at work in the Philippians church as well, in the lives of the Philippians, that they were postured before God. They wanted to participate in the gospel in that way as well. And I think that is a wonderful example for us today. And when we look at this partnership, we get some clues around what does it mean to be in partnership or what are some key elements or what does it mean to be in partnership? Because Paul was in this partnership uh, with the church in Philippi, but what does it mean for us to be in partnership with the agencies that we partner with, with the missionaries that we partner with? What does it mean for us today to actually do that? And the most beautiful thing is that God's mission is still advancing that God's mission is still something that he has as a priority to him and it's something that we can participate in with him. It's a beautiful thing. God's not done with us yet. God's not done uh, with bringing people to himself. If you saw the ABS statistics and you thought, oh no, you know, there's some articles going out this week about Australia is losing its religion and Australia is becoming godless. And, you know, if you want to just kind of, you know, buy into the hype, well, it doesn't really matter because God has a mission of bringing people to himself. And if you believe that, then you'll know that everyone's created in the image of God and that God is speaking to people. God is bringing people to himself and it might look different to what it did 50 years ago. There might be a bunch of social Christians that aren't anymore. There might have been a bunch of people that went to church 50 years ago because it was good for their business and now maybe it's not so much. But does that mean God's still not on the throne? Does that mean God is irrelevant? Does that mean God is not bringing and drawing people to himself? Of course not. No. Not at all. He is the God who created people to be in relationship with him and he's a God of restoration and he's a God of renewal and he's the God that wants to bring that into the lives of every single person he created. Do we need to get a bit smarter? Do we need to come to him more in prayer? Do we need to think about the methods that got us to this point aren't going to be the methods that take us into the future? Do we have to deal with what it means because Our nation is becoming way more secularized. There's some people in the older generation of our church that in their lifetime would have seen Christianity enlarged in society halve. But does that mean God is less on the throne? No way. Not at all. God is a God who brings people to himself 
And he's a God who desires for us to listen and to attend to the things that he is doing and then to participate with him in those ways. If we're stuck to the old ways, well, then that's a challenge. But if we're open to the new ways and the new things that God is doing, that's the posture and the approach that he wants from us. And theologian Chris Wright, he says this, he says, it's not so much the case that God has a mission for his church in the world, it's that God has a church for his mission. Mission was not made for the church. The church was made for mission, God's mission. So how do we partner with God in his mission into the nations? And what do we learn from Paul and the church in Philippi? Well, we have these words, pray, give, and go. It's our biblical framework of what it means to partner with God on his mission, to be a people who pray, to be people who give, and a people who go. Paul has, has been praying for the Philippian church, and he knows that, that they have been praying for him. We've explored that in verses uh, 3 to 6, where, where Paul was thanking God for the Philippians. He prays with joy, and he knows that God will finish what he started in verses 9 to 11, he prays his prayer to them. He says, it's my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of the righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. And later on into chapter 1, he goes on to update the church on his situation in Rome. And he says this in verses 18 and 19. He says, I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision, the Spirit of Christ Jesus, uh, what has happened to me will turn out to be my deliverance. See, Paul knew that he was uh, involved in a relationship that was centered around prayer. He was praying for the church in Philippi and he knew that the church in Philippi were praying for him. And I guess the challenge for us is how do we pray for the mission that God has put into our hands here at Clovey and the partnerships that we have? Do you pray for our missionaries? Is it part of your rhythm? Is it part of what you do? Is that something that maybe you could step into the missionaries and uh, I've got people on tables out in the foyer today and they'd love to talk to you about that and I'm sure they've got something to put into your hand that you can be praying more and more for those who have been sent out. But do you know they want to pray for you as well? If you get any of the mailing lists from, uh, from our crew that we support, they often will say, how can we pray for you? It's two-way. It's a relationship and step into that together. And if you're part of our online community, go to clovey.com.au forward slash missions and you can find out more about that there. To be a people who pray is central to what it means to be in partnership. And then secondly, to be a people who give. In chapter four, we learn that the church sent this uh, a gift to Paul with Epaphroditus. And it's not the first time that the Philippian church supported Paul financially. And Philippians 4 verse 16 says, For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent aid to me more than once when I, was on need, when I was in need. And then he goes on to say in verse 17, he says, Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more to be credited to your account. He's referring back to Jesus' message on the Sermon on the Mount around treasures in heaven. And he says, I've received full payment and have more than enough, and I'm amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you have sent. They are a fragrant offering. How thankful is he? 
an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. You know, he's saying to this church that he's been in a relationship over a decade, he said, you know what, you are so generous and you pour out. And do you know what God's going to do? He's going to take care of all of your needs. And that's how it works in the kingdom of God, isn't it? To be a generous person to a person who gives. And when you give into something and God, you know, he asks you to give into something, how much of a blessing it is, A, to participate in that, but also that to know that it's God who is the one who gives to all of our needs. And as we explore the scriptures, we learn that the Philippian church is, has been generous with other love offerings in the, first test, in the first century as well. So remember that Philippi is in Macedonia and in Romans, in Romans 15, Paul says these words. He says, For Macedonia and Acacia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the Lord's people in Jerusalem. And in 2 Corinthians 8, Paul says again, he says, Brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. This is the church in Philippi. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty, they welled up in rich generosity. What a beautiful example to all of us around what it means to be in partnership with others is to be a people who give. And then Paul also is one who gives. He's given this letter to them. He's taken time over them. He's written them this letter of thanks and he shared with them. He stayed connected with them. He's, he's helping them follow the example of Jesus and to live content lives in the midst of hardship and suffering. So Paul's just not one to receive, but he's one to give as well. So what does it look like for us to be generous in our partnership? Well, this year with Heart for the House, there's going to be an opportunity for us to give to Kapilvastu and into Nepal. We're working with Baptist World Aid in, integrated into our God-sized dream for this community in Nepal to be released from poverty in Jesus' name by 2030, part of our God-sized dream. And this year, our $20,000 faith target will be to put an education trainer in. It's the next step. We're entering the next phase of our partnership with them in this community in Nepal. It's a beautiful thing. There's an opportunity for us to sponsor children as well in that region. And Baptist World Aid have got all that information for us. It's to be a people who pray, to be a people who give, but then also to be a people who go. In chapter 2, verse 25, we learn that the Philippian church, they sent Epaphroditus to visit Paul to take care of his needs, it says. And some scholars um, suggest that Epaphroditus was an elder or a shepherd of this young church in Philippi. And his presence must have been such an encouragement to Paul. Can you imagine or have you been in a situation where you've been in need and then someone shows up at just the right time. How did that make you feel? How did you feel when, you know, in that situation when you knew that you were in need? And Paul, in this situation, he's under house arrest in Rome. He was in need. And this young church, they send Epaphroditus, one of their leaders, and say, hey, we want you to go love on Paul for a bit. Take him a gift. Spend some time with him. Pray with him. Encourage him. 
I know in my own life when someone takes time to do that with me, it's so meaningful. Imagine how meaningful that would have been for Paul. And Paul who just toiled away in life and ministry. He was coming towards the end of his life in ministry in that way as well. And not only was Epaphroditus there for Paul, but then Paul says to the church in Verses 19 to 20, he says, I hope in the Lord to send Timothy to you soon, that I, almost be, that I also may be cheered on when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. So again, there's a reciprocal relationship around going, around being sent on mission. Paul was the first to go all the way back into Acts 16 when he planted the church and then since then has been in a wonderful relationship with the church. Great partnership. But the call from Lord Jesus Christ himself for us to go remains the same as when he called his first disciples to in Matthew 28. When he said all authority in heaven and earth is been given to me. So therefore, go and make disciples in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. So we are called to go as well. And until Jesus returns, we're called to go into the world to make disciples, to baptize people in the name of Jesus knowing that he is with us every step of the way. And I wonder who is God tapping on the shoulder that would want, he would be wanting you to do that in a context which is different to this. We're all sent, whether it's into our street, our school, our neighborhood, our workplace, we're all sent on mission. But God does grace people with a certain call on their lives to go into the nations. And it might be that God has been speaking to you about that. And we'd love to talk to you more about that. But we are a people who are to pray, to give, and to go. Why? It's because what we see in the New Testament is what people of faith do. And Paul sets for us a wonderful example in that. Let's pray together.